Let us pray. Heavenly Father, at this time we invite you into our lives in a very real and very deep way. We invite you to make a change in our hearts. We invite you to clear away all the stuff that might be in our mind that may distract us. And we ask you to help us focus on the words that you have for us today. As the scripture is read, we ask that you bless the reading of it, that you bless the hearing of it, and that you bless our understanding of it. That you may speak a deep truth to us today through it. That we will take the words and treasure them within ourselves, and that you will use them to change us, to mold us, to shape us, to to sanctify us. And make us a more Christ-like people. Bless this time that we have together. Bless this time that we have in the presence of your Holy Spirit. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Please stand if you are able for the reading of the word. Our scripture this morning comes from the Gospel of John chapter 4 verses 4 through 30. And he had to pass through Samaria. So he came to a town of Samaria called Sychar, near the field that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there. So Jesus, wearied as he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well. It was about the sixth hour. A woman from Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw water with, and the well is deep. Where did you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water, welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. Jesus said to her, Go, call your husband and come here. The woman answered him, I have no husband. And Jesus said to her, You are right in saying I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one you have now is not your husband. What you have said is true. The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. 
The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming, he who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all these things. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. Just then his disciples came back. They marveled that he was talking with a woman, but no one said, What do you seek, or why are you talking with her? So the woman left her water jar and went away into town and said to the people, Come, see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? They went out of the town and were coming to him. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. When you're in a relationship with somebody, uh, whether it's a family member, whether it's, it's a spouse uh, or uh, just a friend, uh, the longer you know them, the more time you spend with them, the more you find out about them. And, uh, and, if, and if it's a deep relationship that continues to grow, you continue to learn new things all the time. It never stops. Uh, last night, Claire and I were uh, off on a, a date. We were celebrating our anniversary. And she asked if she could play a song on the radio, um, and I said, yeah, and, and she put on this song, and she said, this song is my jam. And she just started singing every word to it. And then when she finished, I said, all these years that we've been married, I did not know that was your jam. And I said, I said not only that, I've never even heard that song before. But she knew every word, and she was just singing right along with it. So when you're in relationship with somebody, there's no end to the things you can find out about them, that you can learn from them, that is new every single day. And we've been going through uh, John here talking about the experience of Jesus, what it means to experience him in our lives. And what we're learning is that, that we find out new things about Jesus, about who he is, about what he is inviting us into. We find these out every day, and the longer we spend... In time with him, in his presence, the more we discover about him and about ourselves. Every day with Jesus is a new discovery. Now, when, when a couple first begins a relationship and they first fall in love, those, those early stages, what they call puppy love. Everything you discover is just wonderful. And if, to the guy, everything that girl does is just so adorable. And to the girl, everything that guy does is just so charming. And this lasts for a little while. And then after a while, they start discovering other stuff about each other, and it's not so adorable, and it's not so charming. But they've got to deal with it because they love each other. Now, the good thing is that in getting to know Jesus, he is not flawed at all. So the more we get to know him, there is, there is nothing that we can learn about him that makes us roll our eyes. The more we know Jesus... The deeper we are in relationship with him, the more wonderful it becomes. And we can experience him in so many ways. We can experience him by simply being in tune to what God is saying and doing around us. And we talked about this last week, about there, there being more than just the dimension in front of us. The, one, the one-dimensional world that we see and, and, and we taste and we feel and that's all right here. That in reality, God is doing something else that we can't see. And if we step into that relationship with Jesus, he reveals those things to us. He's a God of revelation. And so we start to see things that we wouldn't see otherwise. And that's one way we get to know him, by knowing the way he is working around us. 
We also see him and we get to know him through other people, through the church, by being connected to other people of the faith. And Christ can speak to us through others or or share his love to us through others. And then, of course, we get to know Jesus simply by spending time with him, by being deliberate, by being deliberate. By sitting there in God's presence and saying, I'm going to sit here in God's presence and just worship and just be with God and just get to know him. Now, hopefully for for us who who profess to be followers of Christ, we set that side of time. We we set it aside and, and, and we say that we are going to spend time with God today. But sometimes God moves on us when we're not expecting it. Even when we're not setting that time aside. Remember last week, uh, Jesus was talking to Nicodemus. And he said something about the wind. Do you remember that? He, he said, uh, the wind blows wherever it goes. We don't know where it's going to move. But the word he used for wind was pneuma. Which means wind. But it also means spirit. And so, the spirit of God moves where it will. And it can move on us at completely unexpected times. And when it does, it is an invitation to step in, to know God better, to experience Jesus Christ more. And that's what happened to the woman at the well. She wasn't expecting this encounter with Jesus. She was just going in the middle of the day to the well to get some water. She had no idea that Jesus Christ was going to be waiting there for her. But God knew, and it was intentional. The first verse I read said Jesus had to pass through Samaria. He had to. He didn't have to. He didn't have to. Jews avoided Samaria. They didn't like the Samaritans. And so when the Jews were going to Galilee, they took a a, a road, they took a route around Samaria. They didn't have to go through Samaria. But Jesus had to. Because this was a God-appointed thing. His disciples left for the city to get some food. He didn't go with them. Why? Because he had to be in Samaria. He had to be at the well. He had to be there waiting for that woman. Because he wanted to. He wanted to meet her. He wanted to talk to her. He knew the wind of God was moving in her life. And was going to bring her to the well at the right time. Now, this woman was an outcast uh, in many ways. First of all, she was a Samaritan. She says that right off the bat. She says, how is it that you, a Jew, are talking to me, a Samaritan? You know, the the Jews don't deal with Samaritans. How is it that you're you're asking me for water? You're not supposed to be talking to me. I'm a Samaritan. But it's not just that. Notice what she says. She says, how is it that you, a Jew, are talking to me, a Samaritan woman? Now, we, we don't really understand this fully in our culture because, you know, equal rights and all this stuff that we, we live in, in this, this day and age. But back then, a man did not just address a woman. And then, furthermore, a, a Jewish man did not just address a Samaritan woman. This was very strange. This was somebody on, you know, the top of the, the, uh, the class chart, a Jewish man addressing a Samaritan woman. At the bottom of it. And so it was very strange. She said, what, what are you doing talking to me? You're a Jewish man and you're talking to me, a Samaritan woman. And it wasn't just that. 
She was an outcast from her own community, I believe. She came to the well by herself in the middle of the day. Nobody went to the well in the middle of the day. People would get up. Going to the well was a big deal. It was a community event. People would get up early in the morning when it was still cool, and they would all journey together to the well. And they would, they would bring in their water, they would all draw it, and it was, it was a community event. And then they would come back before the sun got too high, before it was too hot. And that, that, was, that was how they got their water. But this woman was alone. And it was the middle of the day, the hottest part of the day. And she came to the well by herself, which tells us not only was she a Samaritan, not only was she a woman, but she was an outcast even from her own community. She was alone. But Jesus was ready for her. He was waiting for her. It wasn't a chance encounter. He knew exactly who she was. And he even said, I know who you are. He said, go get your husband. She said, I don't have one. He said, you're right. I know you don't. You've had five of them, and the man that you're with now is not your husband. Now, a lot of people read this, and they read condemnation into that. They think that, that Jesus is coming down hard on her and, and telling her you know, how it is. He's, he's not. Look carefully at it. He's not condemning her. He's simply stating the facts. He's just simply saying, I know that this is your situation. I know you're a Samaritan. I know you're a woman. I know that your community isn't accepting of you. You're not with them. And I know about your past. But I'm still here at the well. I'm still offering you something wonderful. I'm still here just for you. This is why I came to Samaria. And then he tells her, I have something that will sustain you, that will give you life, that will bring you into community far more than a well, a physical well, ever could. And you see, a well was symbolic in a community. People understood this. The, the well was, was where you, you got your water. The water kept you alive. But it was also, like I said, a symbol of the community because it was a community event to go to the well. And so this well had history. It had community. It had something that, that offered life and sustained people. And Jesus is saying... I can offer you all of that and so much more. History, identity, community, sustaining of life, and in a true eternal way where you won't have to just keep returning and keep returning because you keep running out. What I give you does not run out. The only thing that is required when we come to the well, when we meet Jesus at the well, is that we come empty. The woman comes with an empty jar to the well because she wants it to be full, right? It's the same way when we come to Jesus. What he has, what he offers us, what he extends to us and invites us to partake in is ours for the taking, ours for the experiencing. But we have to come empty and ready to be filled. It's so easy to come to church or come to a church event or whatever and feel like, we have something to offer. We have something God needs. We have something that we better go do because God needs us to do this. Now, don't get me wrong. God wants us to all use our gifts and our talents and our resources for his kingdom. But we should, we should never get it backwards. It's never we're part of the church because God needs us. We are invited into the church empty-handed. And then God uses us once we're there. God wants us to come empty. 
We don't come here because we have something to give to God. We come here because God has something to give us, which is much more wonderful than what any human being could ever give. So this about the the living water, what Jesus says, does that mean that we only need to experience Jesus once? We only need to come to him once and that's it. Well, no, not really. That's not what he's saying. He's not saying you only have to talk with me one time. You only have to know me one time or, or whatever. What he's saying is all you ever need is me, spiritually speaking. Because once you've met me, once you've come to know, know me, I put that spirit in you and that spirit continues to grow. This is that sanctification process. It's ongoing. It's living. It's eternal. It just keeps going and going. And, and Jesus is saying that spirit is the spirit of God. And she asks him, she says, well, do, y'all say, you Jews say that you have to worship in Jerusalem. You've got to go to the temple. And we say you've got to worship on a mountain. Which is it? And he says, the day is coming. No, the day is here. When you neither have to worship in a temple... You neither have to worship on a mountain. You don't have to bring a lamb to sacrifice because I am that lamb and you are now the temple. When you come to me, when you experience me, when you believe in me, when you accept the gift that I am giving, you become the temple and the spirit dwells within you. And that's what the living water is. It continues to dwell within us, to shape us, to change us, to give us life. We are the temple. I think the power of that gets lost on us sometimes. Still today, in in Israel and and in the Middle East, people travel for, for days and weeks to get to the temple at certain times of year to worship. And they bring their sacrifices and they do all this. And this is this big ordeal. It's a pilgrimage. But we don't have to do that. Because Jesus is saying, I am here. Now that I am here, you are the temple. And you can worship anywhere, anytime, regardless of who you are, what your race is, what your gender is, gender is, what your status is, regardless of your past. The Spirit of God can be in your heart. And it can continue to shape you and grow you. What Jesus brings is life. Refreshment. New, bubbling over. But he also brings us into community. The well was also a symbol of community. And this woman came alone, but then look at what she does. It says she left her jar and she went back to town to tell everyone. She went back into that community that she wasn't even a part of when she came to the well. She goes back into that community and really she becomes one of the first evangelists ever. She becomes one of the first people to ever go tell a group of other people about Jesus Christ. And she becomes part of that community because that's what Jesus does. He changes us, he transforms us, but then he brings us together with other people who he is changing and transforming as well. Now she left that jar and I think that meant a couple things. First of all, it meant she had every intention on coming back. But it also meant... She came and she found something much greater than what she thought she was going to find. She came looking for water and she left transformed. 
I said earlier that every day we learn more about Jesus. It's a chance to discover more about Jesus, but it's also a chance to discover more about us, about who we are. She came with identity issues, big time. She came feeling really low about herself. She came thinking, I'm a Samaritan, I'm a woman, I've had a checkered past, I've had several husbands, my community doesn't accept. She was low. She was feeling down about her identity. And her identity changed when she met Jesus. Because the Spirit of God was put in her. That, 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 that bubbling water, that living water that transforms from the inside out. Jesus is the well that gives us life. But his water is living water that continues to breathe new life into us over and over again. He continues to give us new identity, new self-worth. He continues to transform us from the inside out on a day-to-day basis. And he waits at the well for us. He waits at the well inviting all of us to engage in this life-changing, life-giving experience. He doesn't wait at the well so he can condemn you. He doesn't wait at the well so he can tell you about how low you are on the social ladder. He doesn't wait at the well so he can remind you of how awful your past was. He waits at the well because he loves you. Because he wants to offer you something wonderful and powerful and transforming, life-changing. He wants you to live and move and have your being in God at all times, in all places. All he asks is that you come empty and ready to receive. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to know you each and every day, for that invitation that you extend to us to step into a deeper relationship with you. But we thank you also for the chance to know ourselves in light of who you are and who we are in you. We all have identity issues, Lord. We all have things about ourselves we don't like or we are not proud of. But you see past all of that. And you know that we can experience God. We can, each one of us can become the temple of God's Holy Spirit. And when you look at us, you see that. And so you invite us into that experience. Lord, we ask that you give us the grace, the humility, the will to say yes. To step into that. To allow you to breathe that life into us. To create that wellspring within us. So that the spirit of God rests upon us at all times. And we can be your temple. Lord, allow this experience to transform us. Allow it to bring us into community with each other. For you are the well that gives life. That nourishes. And that brings us all together. And we pray all these things. In your precious and holy name, amen. Our hymn of invitation this morning is hymn number 348 in the Methodist hymnal, Softly and Tenderly. 
I invite you and encourage you, if you've made a decision of any type today, to come forward and share that with us. Uh, and also, I want to remind you that the altar is always open if, if anyone wishes to come and spend a few moments in prayer. But please stand if you are able and join us in singing hymn number 348.